1: what's the story behind the glory you probably heard a variation of that question before maybe about the life of a famous celebrity a life that to most of us seems beyond glamorous we're often dazzled by great success and are surprised when we discover the not so glamorous story behind it hey hello storytellers And welcome once again to another episode of Change Your Story, Change Your Life. I'm your host, Luis DiBianco. I'm excited to announce that our sponsor is Audible. They are offering you, our listeners, a free download of one of your favorite audiobooks. You get to choose from 180,000 titles... And you also get a one-month free trial of Audible's entire service. Simply go to www.audibletrial.com forward slash story power. That is www.audibletrial.com forward slash story power. For your convenience, you can listen to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and TuneIn Radio, as well as the website ChangeYourStoryPodcast.com. Because the theme of the show is Change Your Story, Change Your Life, I've created a free gift for you, my listeners. It is an ebook called Storytelling Secrets for a Rich Life in Business. You can download it immediately at www.changeyourstorypodcast.com. One of the most rewarding things in this podcast for me is my ongoing dialogue with you, my storytellers, my listeners. Let's continue that dialogue. Keep sending your comments about what you're getting from the show and what you'd like to see in it going forward. Send them to lewis, L-O-U-I-S, at changeyourstorypodcast.com. I promise to read every message I receive and to choose some of them to share with you on the show. Prepare to be surprised by today's guest. He runs an eight-figure business that has been an Inc. 5000 company for the past three years in a row. He achieved online success in 1996 in Silicon Valley by creating a web traffic and marketing company. He has his own successful podcast, The Tony G Show. In fact, his success dates back to when he was 14 years old, but that's the glory. You'll be fascinated by his story. I'm honored and excited to introduce Tony Grebmeyer to the show. Tony, welcome to Change Your Story, Change Your Life.
0: Well, thank you so much for having me on the show today.
1: Hey, man, it's my pleasure, and you sound absolutely great. So let's do the obvious and begin at the beginning. Where were you born?
0: I was born in uh, Santa Cruz, California, 1972. And
1: were you born to a small or a big family, Tony?
0: A small little family
1: you have um, siblings.
0: So I have a sister who is six years older than me and I have an adopted brother who is five and a half years older than me.
1: And uh, tell us a little bit about your um, family life. Like uh, who were your parents? What did they do?
0: Sure. Uh, My mother was uh, and is just a teacher, a mentor and a coach to me. She was always the entrepreneur in my life uh, who was constantly kind of going after you know how she could put food on the table for her family how she could provide and um, my dad on the other side was an interior designer producer of the miss california pageant for 30 years i lost my dad three years ago to alzheimer's Um, somebody who showed me what it was like to run a business Um, but i also learned a lot of my successes and failures from implementing some of those strategies so um, and literally, uh, my sister is one of my best friends. We talk every single day. We weren't like that growing up. We were very like six and a half years apart. We were very disconnected, but today we are very connected because we went through a death together and we're there for each you know day of that as we kind of watched my dad get Alzheimer's and then eventually die. Mm. So now we've been able to team up and we're very big advocates for the Alzheimer's foundation. And we'll, be uh, participating in one of the chapter events in uh, Santa Cruz a little bit later in the year, and I'm the MC for the event. So wow. she's the organizer and helps to kind of get a lot of the businesses and sponsorships and everything along with her team, and then I'm coming in to help MC.
1: And what does your sister do, Tony?
0: So my sister was an interior designer full-time and then literally decided because of watching our father go through this this, this, this disease, she now wants to direct all of her attention and time to really about learning more about care and the facilities in which people go through and then how we can better advocate for uh, Alzheimer's and dementia and just spread the word like it's an epidemic, we need to do something about it.
1: You know, we weren't planning to get into this. But I mean, I'm just curious, do you have any feelings about why it's become an epidemic? Because I know when I was growing up, we didn't hear much about this.
0: No, not at all. It wasn't something you discussed. You just thought it was old age and there you go like that person's old. And so they're going to forget. They're going to fall down. They're going to do those things. That's completely normal And today. Now we have evidence and science and we can actually look at it and say, you know what? That's not normal. Let's let's go figure that out. Let's test some memory skills and let's go see what's wrong. Uh, you know, and the, one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about it is because we got to go through it. We got to go through it from a whole different level. Now I know so many families and people who have gone through it and didn't know how to identify it. And today they do have a way of identifying it. Mm -hmm. So just from a standpoint, it's something now, it's like a blind spot that I start seeing in relationships where I know that the, the parents are older or there's grandparents. You can start to see some of the warning signs and don't put me on the spot on the warning signs. It's, it's something that not from a shakes, not from a forget, just like, They ask a lot of the same questions over and over again. That's some of the warning signs, some of the things like, who are you? Like, those are warning signs.
1: Mm -hmm, People mm -hmm. should
0: begin to know, like if I walk into a room at the end, my dad didn't know who I was. In the very Mm -hmm. beginning, my dad would light up. He'd smile like, hi, and he'd be along for the journey and the ride. At the end, my dad didn't even know who I was, but I was there nonetheless to hold his hand and to help him transition to wherever he went. Mm
1: -hmm, mm -hmm. Thank you for that. Now, you kind of answered this question, but I'm just curious was, would you consider that one of your parents influenced you more uh, when you were growing up?
0: Yeah. So I told you my mom was my mentor, but that really became a later part in my life. I idolized my dad. I saw a a genius. I saw somebody make millions of dollars, put on big big parties and big productions and had all these guests. And it was like Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. And I followed that and implemented that strategy into my life. And I also implemented his other strategy, which he gambled all of it away on trying to live this life. And he lost it all. And I, I got to admit that I've spent some of my life trying to do that, right? Mm. Trying to look good to avoid looking bad so you do more than you's needed. And that cycle repeated itself. And so I watched my dad. Make it, lose it, make it, lose it. And I've worked on making it and losing it. And now I'm working on making it again.
1: (laughs) That's great. Great answer. Did you um, like school
0: as a kid? No, no. Who wants authority? I was the worst student in the world. But if I was ever put on the spot, I would get up in front of the class and lead through a great presentation. I could do any of that kind of stuff. But sitting in class, listening to a teacher, oh, that just bored me. It it was just, it was not for me. What was for me was going to school. I love the social aspect of school. I love the sports part of school. I love the athletics and all that. But going to school and sitting in a classroom trying to learn about something that I had no clue what I was learning and why I needed to learn it was so boring to me. Do you
1: know why I asked that question?
0: No, I'm excited to know.
1: Well, because I'm discovering more and more that highly, highly creative entrepreneurial people as a group did very badly in school. I mean, we look at the uh, the major figures that we know. Um, I mean, Bill Gates, <laughs> you know, in school, he lost patience with that very, very quickly. Uh, and... There's a long, long list of people like that. So it's quite interesting to see. Um, I agree with you. The pro, the, the authority and the um, the way we're supposed to be, quote-unquote, educated is often deadly to a very creative um, and um, highly talented spirit. That's, that's
0: yeah, I mean, I, I'm watching my kids. I have two teenage boys. I have a 16 and an 18-year-old. My son just is getting ready to go off to a four-year college, and one of the things that my wife and I have always done is not push, but offer opportunities for them to explore kind of whatever it is that they want to be. I'm I'm your biggest cheerleader. I'm always going to be there in your corner, but I'm always going to be there saying, hey, maybe you should look at that a little bit different. You know, just look at that idea just a little bit different. Now, what's crazy, my wife and I talk about all the time. We were bad, bad, bad students like my wife, had like maybe a three, three point oh, I was like a two point three. Um, our kids are like 4.0 and I'm like, where did you get that? That's not from you or your mom. Like, where did you get that from? And that's the topic of, you know what they, they observe and they're really students of learning today and they know what they want more so than I even knew growing up. Like I had no clue what I wanted to be. My son you know, his probably freshman year started showing that entrepreneurial like mindset, like started seeing things for himself. Now he's going to go to school for business. He's already selling stuff online. He's already building websites. He's, uh, he's doing stuff like I was at 14, 15, but he's doing it at like, he's bridging the gap so much faster because he has so much more tools at his fingertips today to, to try new things out. Like he Mm. literally gets to do it right now. Like YouTube, Google, like He's in his Snapchat. He's talking to his friends like data transfers so much faster today. I don't know how it'd be if I went back to school today, if I would be <laughs> a great student. I just don't know. I think I would be worse. Um,
1: well, again, I mean, you know, the skills you're talking about, about learning to be an online entrepreneur, that's not really being taught in schools. People are learning that by studying with other successful entrepreneurs. And I'm curious, well, what is your son selling online?
0: Uh, so he is purchasing clothing from some high level companies and then rebranding and re- not rebranding, but reselling them right away. So he'll purchase something for eighty dollars and flip it for 300 because it's so sought after, everybody wants it. And he's doing it before he's even actually getting the goods. He's made the sale, knows that there's a seven to ten day delay in shipping and since I own a logistics company, I help move some of that data merchant <laughs> processing a little bit longer uh, faster for him. so, He's made stickers and sold them at school, uh, literally buying like really rare statues from artists and reselling them. He's just finding himself or he loves it. He's not after the money, he's after the understanding of what works and what doesn't work. And then he's, he has a little log book and he's saying, okay, I bought it for this, I sold it for that. What's the difference? You know, how much did it cost me in time? He's starting to measure all these things. So he understands time for money and what he wants to focus on.
1: Fantastic, that is just wonderful. Uh, you did answer this question partially, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Did you have a, you didn't have a kid's dream, right, of
0: what you wanted to be as a grown up? I just didn't want to be told what to do. That was number one, right? <laughs> and so what did I do? I went and got a whole bunch of jobs growing up because I wanted to understand what was out there. I wanted to know what jobs were available, where I could maybe, you know, enter into the workforce and then kind of get the creative juices behind the scenes. Of I always love doing things with my hands like at a very early age This is dating us, but I was working at a VCR repair shop. I was in there soldering things together I was breaking, uh, you know Boom boxes in the back of the day and ripping out all the componentry that didn't belong in there and then w- making it work with less Components and less circuits. That's what I've always done. I got an Atari when I was a kid day one It was taken apart. I was getting yelled at but I was putting things back together so my background, my family's like genealogy if you date us back, we're all engineers or we're all artists and I'm a hybrid between the two. Wow. Just like you just go and look at it like you know the artist, you know, everybody in my family on my father's side, interior designer, artist, you know, that's what they do. You know, uh, engineers like my great great grandfather created part of the centrifuge. Like wrote stories came from Germany, they're artists, they're engineers like I have families who uh, members who study everything below the Earth's surface. I have family members who study everything above the Earth's surface. And I was fascinated by, like, that's your story, but you know what my story is? Is I want to do something fun for the rest of my life, and I don't want to be told that I can't have fun.
1: Hmm. Well, I'm, I'm, total, I'm in total agreement with you on that one. Um, I have not grown up. I don't think I ever will. <laughs> can, no. can, you, can you describe your first business at age 14?
0: Yeah, so um, 14, I was really into baseball cards. Uh, That was something that was hot in the 80s. uh, So you could go for, I think, uh, my 14th or 13th birthday. My grandfather had given me $50. And I had taken the $50 and I had went to um, the collector's store out in Capitola in California. Collector's Corner. It's not there anymore. And I saw these two sets of baseball cards. And I purchased them. And they were $25 each. And I I got a Beckett guide book that showed me everybody's pricing. And what I realized was if I broke them out of their set and I sold them individually, I could make more money than if I kept them together as a set. And so what I started realizing was I'm like, well, why don't I put a card show together and invite people and advertise and put up flyers around the neighborhood and down the streets and do something in my garage and be my own collector's corner and see what happens. And then people would come buy cards from us and I would make money and I'd be like, I turned 50 into like $350. I'm like, Hey, this is something I could do. And so I collected baseball cards. There's a great story with my business partners because we used to gamble with business cards, which were our baseball cards. We would, we would literally take a sheet of nine baseball cards and that's how we would play poker. And so from a very early age, I learned that that was, that, was a, that was a money. That was a commodity for me. That was something that I could use to buy and barter and trade. And so I knew that I had to have power if I wanted to win in business and in life. I had to have some of the upper hand. And so everybody wanted baseball cards in the 80s. I had baseball cards. People were buying them. And um, I just I saw an opportunity and I seized it.
1: Beautiful. I love that. That is a wonderful story. Now, I believe that you had something like 16 jobs by the time you were 18 years of age. Can you name some of them?
0: Sure. I worked for Domino's Pizza, the arcade, the boardwalk in Santa Cruz. That's the only job I got fired from. We can talk about that, too. Um, Mm. Let's see. Um, Foster's Freeze. I worked uh, at the Goodwill. Uh, I worked at grocery stores, Stock Boy, Painter. didn't matter what it was. Like I said earlier, I was always trying to figure out what I didn't want to do. What I wanted to do was figure out what I loved, which was interacting with people. And that goes back to the question about school. I love interacting and talking to people like you and I right now. Like we're having a conversation. But inside, there's something that makes me tick. And that's what I was trying to discover. Like what if I could do it for the rest of my life, what would it be? And that's to coach, mentor and help people find their genius and to find their greatness. And that's what I've been doing all of my life and all of my friendships, all of my relationships. I'm trying to build you up more than I'm building myself up. Right. Because I want you to find what I've already found.
1: That's beautiful. And um, that is a formula for great success. Now, I would love to know why you were fired from one of your jobs.
0: (laughs) So (laughs) it was the boardwalk in Santa Cruz, California. If you've ever got a chance, it's just a gorgeous place. It's a nice promenade. It's free to walk up and down. And. I was working in the little ice cream stand and uh, four or five teenagers had come to the window and said, you know, I'd like this. I'd like that. And so I started making it. And what you do is you hand it to each customer one at a time. Well, when I turned around to hand the last one to the customer, they were all gone and they'd taken all the ice cream. And I had called on the phone and I said to. The security who was watching the cameras, they said, by any chance, did you catch them on camera? And they said, oh, no, the camera was off. I said, well, could you turn it on? And they said, of course, we'll turn the camera on. Sorry about that. And a couple minutes later, my adopted brother comes up to the window and says, hey, how are you? I said, I'm good. Would you like an ice cream? Uh, he goes, oh, no, 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 no. I said, no, no, I'll give you one. He goes, no, 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 you don't have to do that. I'm like, no, nah, it's totally fine. So I make two ice creams. I hand him the two ice creams. He walks away, the phone rings, it's the security saying, hey, we're coming, we need to talk to you. What did I do? I just fired myself. I just was complaining about people stealing and then what did I do? I just stole ice cream that wasn't mine and I gave it to somebody. Whoa. So I got fired for giving away ice cream, so a little bit of stupidity on my part. I, I, I basically tattledailed on myself. Um, the hardest part wasn't getting fired. The hardest part was going home and telling my mom um, that I had failed, that I, I learned a valuable lesson I still remember coming home and, you know, talking to her when, you know, she was in her bedroom and I'd gotten, you know, home like after I rode the bus and said, you know, I made a mistake. And that was the beginning of some very valuable lessons for me. Hmm. So it wasn't so much about getting fired. It was about learning why I got fired and and part of the integrity that I wasn't in when I was in that place.
1: Well, who knows? Maybe at some level you uh, wanted to get fired from that job.
0: Oh, I mean, I probably do now. Now we're talking about it. Yeah, I didn't like it. I wanted to go home every day sticky with ice cream dripping on them, right? Like. That.
1: Now, what attracted you to your first online business?
0: Mm. So I was a radio air personality and living in Silicon Valley. And one of my childhood friends was in Southern California, UCLA, graduated arts degree, went off to uh, a company called Bognif. Bogner and Bogneford, they were the ones who created the website for Toy Story. So the very first website interactive for Toy Story he had created. And he had said to me, He's like, There's so much money in online, you know, sales. And I'm like, What's online? He's like, the thing that you type, you know, like a name in and it comes up for you. I'm like, what are you talking about? And he started to explain what he's been doing. And I'm like, that's cool. Is that ever going to work? And I didn't realize behind the scenes because I was locked in a box all day working in the radio that there was this thing brewing called the Internet. And people were building massive amounts of property and websites and everything. So once he introduced me to it, I got super fascinated. We, we looked at some business opportunities. We started building uh, websites because he said he could figure out the art side of it, if I could figure out the coding side, and I'm like, sure, and, he sh- and I just began to do that. And so, uh, for many years, we were living, uh, he was in Southern California, I was in Northern California, and we were building websites, and we were selling uh, traffic to Yahoo and Google back in the day. Like, we were coming up with ways to get traffic, and then we would sell it to brokers, and all that traffic ended up in Yahoo and Google.
1: What was one of your main traffic secrets?
0: I think one of the main traffic secrets has always been was search engine optimization. We were doing it before anybody. We knew that we could get eyeballs by just the way that you could title a page, the way that you could feed the page with keywords. Like Not everybody was doing that. And while I was working there, I ended up getting out of radio in 1999, 2000, and I went to work for a company that had fiber connection in Silicon Valley and was placing fiber all over the place. And I went to learn and I watched like WebMD first come on the Internet, Alchemy, which is like a big traffic uh, company. I watched all these companies flip on for the very first time. And I got really fascinated by like how it all worked. Right. Once again, it was all connection for me, just like relationships are all connection. So I'd be, I started being fascinated by all of this technology. i had been taking apart computers all my life. So. It was like the evolution of Tony growing, which was seeing the next steps, which was what is online really going to be? What could online be? And it was, you know, in the infinite stages in 2000 was it was basic today. It's very complex, but still very straightforward, which is have a property, talk about it, get people to visit, sell something, share something and have a community behind it. And you'll be very successful in business and in life. Mm -hmm. So that's all I've been able to do all my life is. Take the same principles, just adapt. And, and I think that's an important piece for anybody listening today or just in life. If you don't become adaptable, you'll be an afterthought. If you become adaptable, you'll adjust and you'll see and they'll keep new opportunities will keep showing up for you. You know, like I don't want to be stagnant. I want to be growing. And that's what I've been able to do over 20 years online.
1: Are you familiar with the book? Uh, This comes up a lot in my interviews with entrepreneurs. The book called Bold How to Go Big, Create Wealth, and Impact the World by Peter Diamandis and Stephen Kettler.
0: No, I haven't heard that.
1: I think you will absolutely love it. It's a visionary book. And when you mentioned being adaptable, This book really drives that home in this age of digital technology. Now, you mentioned something about being a radio personality, and I didn't know that, and I just wondered, when did that happen, and what was that about?
0: Oh, that's a great story. So I was uh, first introduced to public broadcasting when I was 11 years old. I went to Robert Louis Stevenson uh, in Monterey Bay for summer camp. And I was actually on stage, I was one of the ten little Indians, and I was so bored with waiting for my turn. I was so bored, like, okay, your lines are coming up, and I'm like, but I'm the first Indian to die. And next thing I see as I'm sitting on stage one day is I said, what's up there? There's glass, people laughing, lights on, and looks fun, and someone said, that's the radio station. And I said, oh. And I asked my teacher, I said, do you mind if I go up there for a few minutes? Other than a performance that I had to do later uh, in that summer program, I never went back. I fell in love with music already, was something very big in my life, but I fell in love with, I could create theater of the mind. And I fell, I I just, in the moment, I loved it. So 11, 12, and 13, 13 FCC license. uh, Forgot about it after a couple years, but then I started listening to more hip hop music when I was growing up. And there was a local radio station in uh, Salinas, Monterey Bay, 102.5 KDON. And I used to call in to be a guest DJ. One night, they called me asking me to be a guest DJ. Mm. And next thing I knew, I was on to something. Because if you're calling me, you like either A, my voice, how I do it. Something was like popping for me. I was like, oh, this could be cool. Now, anybody knows, anybody who's been in the radio industry, there's not a lot of money. And if there are, you're Howard Stern. You're a big name, you're you're doing it. It's not something that's as glamorous as, as you know, Wolf It's it's not something that is glamorous anymore, not Ryan Seacrest. So I said, fine, did radio uh, like that for a while. They would call me and I'd do their like top eight at eight and I could rattle off all the songs. And then I just went back to being a kid, high school, and th- those calls kind of died down because I wasn't available as much anymore. And then I went off to college, and once again, it was very similar. I was going to a class, past this booth, and I said, hey, uh, what is this? And they said, oh, this is our radio station. I said, um, can I sign up? And they said, oh, you have to take all these prerequisites. I'm like, to what? To talk on the radio? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, no. Give me a shot. You give me a shot. I will blow the socks off of anybody. Just give me a shot. And so they gave me a shot. I ended up getting three, three different radio shows. I was country bob, reggae bob, and rock bob huh. on a college <laughs> station. And I used to do different voices for each one. And one day in the studio, uh, I received a phone call from a local radio station, and they said, hey, we are looking for somebody to come and be an intern to push buttons for Bob Kingsley's American Country Countdown. Uh, Would you be interested? And I said, yeah. And so once again, it wasn't an opportunity to talk. It was an opportunity to show somebody that I had the ability to adapt and to step into something which was a new role. I took that, and I was in radio for about nine years total, Um, Once my son was born and I had the ability in Silicon Valley to now be my own boss, I saw what the opportunity was on the Internet. I've never looked back. And that's what also led me to launching my podcast show was the ability to adapt and say, hey, business is awesome. I love it. But I still have this gift to talk to people. And what a great what a great platform is to take the two of the things that I love the most Uh, when you talk about business, is the community and the connections, and merge them into a podcast. And just like you, you know, interviewing inspiring entrepreneurs, business owners, solopreneurs, who are on a journey and have a story to share. And I just created a platform for those stories to be told.
1: Beautiful. And you began your radio career when you were 13?
0: Yeah, 11 years old, actually. 11, wow. My, my first, 11. Wow. Yeah, my first uh, record I ever played was uh, Dead or Alive, You Spin Me Round Round. And, ah. Just great music, great times. You know, I was a young kid. I could only imagine what my voice sounded like then, right? Well, you're listening to KSBB. This is Pebble Beach. Like, I could just imagine, like, what it was like then. And I know what my voice sounds like today. And so it's, that's part of, you know, just growing up and having fun, doing something that you're passionate about.
1: Wow. That is just beautiful. You know, you did voice. You said that, oh, have you ever done any, any uh, voiceover work, like, as a, as a voiceover artist?
0: I have nothing like on a major scale. I do a lot of stuff for friends who have podcast shows, but I did run a company uh, in Silicon Valley called Big G Productions. I took my, you know, all my friends called me Big G because I was a lot taller than everybody else. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I did some stuff in production. My my favorite thing is is just give me a script, tell me what you want, let me go into the studio. I still edit. I still know how to cut up a reel to reel. I still know how to do all the things that I learned in the digital in the non digital age. Now I can do it on the digital age of you know having a program on my Mac, slicing everything together. And I love sound. So I'm very into the engineering part of it. And I think that's the hybrid model that we were talking about, right? Very much the artist, very much the engineer and finding the, the two balances in the middle and, and just being a hybrid.
1: Mm. Now, what demons were you fighting or or were fighting your efforts at success?
0: Mm. So I'm an alcoholic. So number one, um, it's easy for me to talk about today because it's very much a part of who I am and my story. Um, I've had a problem with substances and I have an addictive personality. So growing up, I was always chasing something, right? Didn't matter if it was money, if it was a drug, if it was a relationship, I was always chasing. And I think at the end it was success, right? I've always wanted to be successful. So addictions can be a good thing and a bad thing for me. Um, I really got tied up in my senior year in high school, even being an all-American athlete, still drinking every day at lunchtime with friends, got caught up into some bad drugs, never been arrested, been on the doorstep a couple times. Um, And those demons I battled all my life. I've been sober coming up on nine years, um, and I had to give up a lot to to change my life. Um, You know, you talk, you know, change your story, change your life. You know, Um, I changed my behaviors and I changed my life.
1: Well, that's how you change your story. I mean, it has to begin with the thought. Um, T. Harv Eker, I love you know, teaches a principle that sounds really, really simple. It's simple, but it's not easy. And it's called T. Far. Thoughts lead to feelings, lead to actions, lead to results. And um, that's what you did. But you know, it was interesting. You said you're always chasing something. But what about Could it be that you were, because of your nature, you're driven very much by a sense of uh, variety that, that Anthony Robbins talks about? So that's like a sense, you need adventure. If you get bored easily, it would make sense that when everything around you was not that exciting that you went to substances.
0: Yeah, I think I went to substances because not only did I love the way that they made me feel. But I felt like I could be more creative. Like I used to spend a lot of times uh, in the evening, like LSD was something that I enjoyed doing in college. Um, I would spend a lot of time writing. You know, a lot of people would be tripping out. I'd be sitting in my room with pieces of paper, just writing, just mm-hmm. expanding my mind, but also just putting as much stuff as I can down on paper. I've always been driven more so than most people around me. Now, not necessarily saying I'm better than anybody, but I've always been driven that I know without a shadow of a doubt, it's possible. At our company, we have a, I have two other business partners. We all grew up in the same neighborhood, in that same little town that I grew up in. We all grew up in that neighborhood, went all to the same schools, known them all my life. My sister changed one of, one of my business partner's diapers. I mean, that's, that's how well I know these guys. But we're all very, very different. One's a finance guy, one's an artist, and then I'm the hybrid in between which is I'm the salesman, right? I've been doing it all my life and I've always found a way to adapt. And we all have an innate skill that we're so good at. And one of the things that I absolutely just love to give credit for is the, when I look at our business today and I look at like back in the day, 20 some odd years ago, when my artist friend came to me and says, what do you want to do? I said, let's do it. He's like, do you think it's possible? I'm like, it's completely possible. And that's the, that's the vision for me that I've always been able to have and to help people to see is like, you have to believe without a shadow of a doubt that it's possible first and foremost, before you ever get onto the track to begin running, no matter Mm -hmm. what hurdles placed in front of you, you're going to jump over it. You'll go through it. You'll move it, but you're not going to be stopped by it.
1: Are you familiar with Les Brown? Oh yeah. I love Les Brown. Well, I, I do too. I love when he says the how is none of your business. Yep. You, you take the first step, and then you discover how you're going to do things. Now, before I forget, you mentioned um, hip-hop before. You, if you might love, if you don't already know it, the uh, Netflix series called The Get Down. Mm, and okay. It's about the history of hip-hop, and it's just brilliant. It's absolutely riveting.
0: No, I, I'm, I definitely just wrote it down, so it's uh, something I'm going to take a look at.
1: I think they have two seasons, and uh, it's really, really worth checking out. Now getting back to your demons, when did <laughs> they? St- a lot of them. <laughs> when did they really start to win and uh, really undermine your, you know, your success in areas of your life?
0: Sure. Yeah, I would definitely put around 2005 when I had gone in for, I think, the second of a couple knee surgeries at the time, and I got addicted to pain pills. And, you know, you hear the story a lot, right? You hear pain pills take a lot of people out and they have a lot of dark days. I had dark months, turned into dark years, turned into asking my wife for a a divorce, moving out, living down the street, um, going through just a lot of kind of, ups and downs. It was all me. Like I look back at like my life and I look at all the opportunities that I've had and how many I have just pissed off and pissed away. And, um, my, my wife in 2008 after being gone for a period of time, um, you know, said to me, you know, what? I can't do this anymore. I gotta let you go. And she said, she's like, I just, I don't love you. I love you, but I don't love you anymore um and she did it from her sanity she did it to save me and at the end i went upstairs after that conversation living in my apartment and i attempted suicide whoa and um i received a phone call during the act of writing my suicide note getting ready to take all my drugs and just doze off into the world um i was on seven seven different things so i was on lunesta xanax you know Uppers, downers, testosterone. I was taking everything to just to try to like find balance in my life, which I was so medicated from. And um, as I was about to finish my suicide note and get ready to take everything, I received a phone call. And my buddy said, hey, I'm coming to see you. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. And he, uh, he ended up coming and knocking on my door a few minutes later. And he said to me, he's like, Tony, I'm here because your life has meaning and purpose. But what you're doing right now doesn't. And he began to talk to me and talk to me literally down from the ledge, even though I was going to jump that way. He just got me to to calm down for a moment. And he, he painted a picture for me, which is still very crystal clear for me today. Like you have so much to offer the world, but what you're in this mindset of is a disease. So I was living in a disease mindset, not just taking medication. I was just not thinking right. I wasn't sane in any of my thinking or doing. Everything about my life was bad. And so I went from a disease mindset to fast forward nine years later to an empowered mindset. And literally today, I just, I think and do life completely different.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, that incident about your friend showing up, that was not a coincidence. And you probably know that.
0: Oh, yeah, I know that.
1: Mm-hmm. Interestingly enough, if we put that into a film script, the audience would say, ah, that's that's contrived, you know. But it's, life can be like that. Now, what was your self-talk like during your dark time?
0: Uh, You know, it's interesting you bring this up. I was just talking to uh, one of the coaches that I work with. We were talking about it today, which is those conversations. Like, I'm not good enough. That's that's some self-talk. However, it was so bad. I was almost a million dollars in debt at the time. And the conversation was, no one will give me credit. I'm worthless. Why would anybody ever invest in me? I can't afford the life that I've put myself into. It's probably easier for me just to say goodbye. Even if I don't get to say goodbye, it's just easier for me to leave the mess for somebody else. And that was part of the realization once my friend came over, is like, I'm just gonna leave a mess for somebody else and I hate cleaning up messes. And so that began that first step for me, which was to take personal responsibility for the mess that I've gotten into. Didn't mean I was going to save my marriage. It meant I was going to save myself and begin to work myself through a series of ups and downs and know that I was going to have them again and again and again. But if I changed one thing, right? We talked about behavior, thoughts, and things, and everything began to change for me, which is I began to get honest with my feelings. And for the first time in my life, I was able to express them. I was able to share them authentically. I was able to say, hey, look, you know, I had some really dark demons growing up, some things that happened to me. You know, um, and all of a sudden, I was able to make some changes by taking personal responsibility for my past. No mm-hmm. one else. no one was holding a gun to my head. no more, no more lies. Like what was missing in my life was ownership. I was a free spirit. I was bouncing like a pogo stick off of everyone and everything instead of being a hundred percent forthright in everything that I began to do. And that literally began to change my life. Now, it's not easy to go from, making up stories and lying to all of a sudden getting honest. That's not something you just do in one day. You, you have to, but people don't begin to believe you day one, day two, day three. So everybody needs to see that it just takes time. And so the old saying time takes time. That's what I had to begin, which was say today I'm going to go out and live the best life possible, which is being honest, open, and I'm going to be willing to grow. And that's in the book that I, I read on a daily basis is the how, you know, it's, you know, honesty, open-mindedness, and willingness. Those are the things that you have to have to begin to grow and to change. And so that's literally the things that began to change my life.
1: Wow. Now you, you you mentioned the book. Are you talking Which book are you talking
0: it's about? It's a 12-step book. The, the book that I, you know, I go to a 12-step program. So okay. uh, our, 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 our curriculum is, you know, uh, Alcoholics Anonymous book. And that is something that it's like, it's just a teaching manual for me to realize, like, when I read it, it's like talking to myself. I identify with a specific chapter or a word and I'm like you know what there's growth opportunities in everything we do so why am I always looking at everything as a negative why don't I begin to look at everything as a lesson and that will shift me into pos- you know um positivity and that'll get me away from the disease mindset and put me back in the empowered mindset
1: you know you made me think again of uh, Les Brown when he says there are no bad days. There are just good days, and there are learning days.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I listen to less a lot. The, the one thing, like, so my, my son, who is 18, getting ready to go to college, on August 14th, um, two years ago, so the 16th, uh, 2016, he was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes at age 16. I went to bed in the room while we were waiting for the doctors to kind of give us more of a diagnosis and what we were into um, I, I, went to sleep listening to Les Brown and I woke up listening to Les Brown. So mm-hmm. very big, very inspirational. Somebody who is just oozes positivity, but also shows you how to do it.
1: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And he is absolutely wonderful. Was there one pivotal event that led to your recovery?
0: Yeah. I think the the most important deal was ten eight was the date that I tried to commit suicide and I didn't. It was 1214 of 08 that I received a phone call from my mom and she 12 stepped me without knowing it for 44 and a half minutes. And at the 45th minute, I said, you know what? You're right. I do need help. That was the pivotal moment is because it took 44 and a half minutes of her asking, talking for me to realize, you know what? I'm tired of saying the same story over and over. I do need help. Pivotal. The next day, I had a friend pick me up and take me to a meeting Um, that became my first sponsor, still really, really great friends with him, talk to him all the time. And that was the beginning of the process um, of walking into the rooms and seeing for myself the opportunity, which was that I wasn't unique and that there was tons of people around me going through the same thing. And I had loved the stories in the back of the book of how people recovered. That's like, you know, your favorite movie, my favorite movie. Well, I like a little bit of action. Mixed with a little bit of comedy, mixed with a really good story that makes me cry because it realizes then that puts me back in the humanness element which allows me to feel that I'm alive. Those are the things that make my heart skip and makes me feel good. And so I began to hear those stories and at the end, you know, you just want to stand up and give somebody a hug saying thanks for sharing. Thanks for being transparent. You know, a lot of people just live with all of this stuff inside of them and never get the book out, never get the script out, never get the invention out because, you know what, they don't think anybody wants it or needs it. And the thing is, is we all have a story to share and tell the world and it all matters in some context and we need to get out sharing our story. So for me, I started sharing my story in all my interviews. I shared in my context of my business and my life, my family, and my friends know that I'm a recovering alcoholic. I don't need drugs. I don't need alcohol. Like I can live life today being free and open and honest. And if it, it works for you, great. If it doesn't work for you, great. I'm not here to make you like me. I'm here for you to hear me that if you want to change your life, it's possible.
1: Beautiful. And I can hear it. I can hear the passion and, um, the decision behind that in your voice, it's very, very strong. Once you decided to clean up, what obstacles did you still have to overcome?
0: Repair my marriage, repair my uh, relationships with my kids, um, repair my business, partner's relationship, repair some friendships, um, lifelong of, you know, making amends to the people that I hurt. Um, Also, um, you know, business, the debt that I created, all of the chaos, you know, everything began to, um, you know, I looked at it like at first, like, oh my gosh, it's so vast. It's like a body of water. You can't see any ends. And then basically I just took a glass and put it into the water and I could begin to see what I needed to do. Right. Little by little, I was able to, to work my debt down to very, to be able to begin to see it clearly now. Like, you know what? I can make a difference, but first I had to get honest, right? And that was like the part. I had to get honest, I had to become willing. And I, if I became open to it, then I could go to you and say, hey, what do you think of this? That's something that I never was able to do before. I never would ask you for advice because then I thought you were trying to control me. It all goes back to like authority for me. So it all became the book laid it out very clear. They're all suggestions. Hey, I need some help today. you have any suggestions? Like, so much easier to get somebody to help you when it's like set up that way than like, hey, tell me what to do. I don't want you to tell me what to do. I want you to suggest some things and then let me make up my own mind based on some ideas. Some I'm going to work on, some I'm probably going to not do, and then I'm going to kick myself for not listening to you. But nonetheless, I need some suggestions today.
1: You made me think also of, um, I've taken quite a few personal development courses and in one of them. One of the declarations that we learned was, "I support others and allow others to support me because that 's a big one for for people many people not oh. allowing, not allowing others to help us
0: yeah. yeah, and I think part of that right is goes back to that childhood thing right like when I was in a classroom and a teacher was telling me, she was basically saying, like, if you don't do this, you don't graduate. If I don't graduate, then I'm not going to succeed. Like, she began to paint a picture for me in the very beginning, like, early days. And my mom kept me back in second grade. Um, so it's been interesting as, like, I, I grew up. Um, I didn't talk until I was four years old. So it, everything lines up well for me. Um, no ADHD, no ADD, not autistic, none of that. Just slower learning development growing up because I think so much of what was already going on and spinning in my head with all these ideas from a very early age. Hmm. I, mo- most kids don't rip apart new toys that their parents give them. They don't want a beating. They don't want to get whooped. And I was always like, well, let me just look into it. Like I've always been in, like, I wanted to be an archaeologist. That was like my dream kind of like job or like idea. And still to this day, it's something that I'm going to do in retirement is I want to go be an archaeologist. I want to dig up the past, because the past holds all the secrets to today. Like, all the things that happened in the past, they're all around us. So I travel a lot. My wife and I have been to Italy, uh, I think, four or five times. We're planning on retiring uh, to Italy eventually, but start living there uh, in 2019. And part of it is because I love that you can walk down the street in Rome. You can do this in Barcelona. You can do this in pretty much any country in Europe and you can walk down and you can see old mixed with new. And I love that. It's something fascinating about, you know, seeing the Coliseum turning to your left and walking into Starbucks or Hertz rental car and driving away. Like there's just something fascinating about that. <laughs> <to me. laughs>
1: Absolutely. Now, do you think that most successful people win their success through battle?
0: Oh yeah. I mean, unless you give me a lottery ticket with a million dollars, I'm not going to learn anything. Right. Mm. I'm going to learn through ups and downs because of the partnership we have here at ship offers, because of the way that we've been able to build a brand 16 years going, 36 uh, team members working together to help the common good of our company to spread our message. Um, We've had so many pivots. I don't think anything is a failure. I think they're all pivots. They're all adjustments. They're all tweaks. They're all opportunities. They're all growth waiting to happen. And what you have to do is step into your genius and give up your right to be right and say, hey, you know what, what am I willing to, to learn today? So we come to work every day with like a mindset of like, let's go out and learn, let's go out and figure out like how to get a better ship to, to sail, like how to, how to streamline some of the problems we face and, and do that through conversations. I, I spent well over $100,000 last year in personal development, coaching and mindset and uh, you know, definitely development practices to help myself get better so I can come show up every single day and be on point with my partners. And they're doing the same in their, their business and in their life. And that helps us to win better together.
1: Tony, is there a favorite uh, personal development uh, thought leader that you um, are drawn to?
0: Uh, you know, I'm in a couple different masterminds. One, I love Joe Polish, uh, Genius Network. I, I mm-hmm. love what he's doing. And I love the fact that, you know, I can identify with his story so I get some of that story too. you know his recovery story I also identify how he you know saw and built a brand turned it into a giant network and a mastermind but at the end of the day he's out to help people and I think that's so fascinating for me Um, I definitely have a lot of like people that I I love like one of my coaches is Sean Stevenson Um, so I've spent a lot of time if you've never looked up Sean Stevenson a three-foot tall giant in a wheelchair who says he's in a container just like you, just like me. Don't look at him any different. Um, And he wants to rid the world of insecurity. And that, to me, is fascinating. Um, And so those are the types of people that I want to be around who are constantly challenging me to become more.
1: Beautiful. That's very, very inspiring what you just shared. You mentioned this dream to be an archaeologist. When did that occur to you? Because you said earlier you didn't have a childhood dream.
0: Um around 13 14 i was always digging i was i've always been digging into something right technology i was always digging into try to figure out how it worked and as i've gotten older you know I, I think any kid who grew up in the 70s and 80s liked movies such as star wars loved like indiana jones I've always been somebody like that. I sat with my dad watching a lot of old movies growing up as well, and I was always fascinated with the uncovering of truth. Not necessarily my truth, I didn't get to uncover some of that for later in life, but the real truth was, man, all these secrets, they've they got to be told somehow. And so that's why I love digging up things today. Um, I love digging around my yard as a kid, you know, digging up earth and seeing different layers of rock formations the different levels of the water table and how things look. So I've always been fascinated by that kind of stuff.
1: I've got a good movie for you if you haven't already seen it. It's an older one. It's called The Music Box with Jessica Lange and that wonderful, uh, I think, German actor Armin Müller-Stahl. It's, All right. I, oh, I'm man. It it's fa- You, you want to talk about uncovering the truth. That whole film is about that. And it's, uh, it's quite gripping. Would you change anything in your past experience if you could? And if so, why?
0: That's a really good question. Um, yeah, I think I would. I would change one thing, just being more honest in the beginning and not wait so long to get into that kind of like honesty component in my life. Um, and I would do it first in my marriage. I would do it first in my partnerships. I would do it first kind of with my friendships. So, yeah, I definitely would make that change.
1: Mm -hmm. And talk about the current success now of of this company you have, Ship Offers.
0: Yeah, I mean, Ship Offers, uh, something that we are certainly so proud of. Uh, You know, three little kids from Santa Cruz uh, started a business in 2001 with $5,000. It didn't come from me. And uh, somebody bought in and we bought furniture and, you know, built this thing into a business today that you know four years ago had nine employees and now there's 36 team members um, two employees team members have been with us 16 17 years through our entire journey they made the transition from pittsburgh made the transition from california we're in la uh, we're in colorado now and our business is thriving because i think we honed in on our mission we know who we serve today we know where those customers live we know that we provide a great service and a product. We've figured out our core mission and our values. We've been able to really help people here create a life for themselves in a position that they feel is best suited for them. And I, and I literally, every single person that I work with and, and have on my team, I tell them at the end of the day, I'm here to be a stepping stone for where you want to go. So I, I treat people the way I'd want to be treated. I'm not here to, to tell you that you work for me. We work together, and we have a common goal, which is to help, at the end of the day, to get packages shipped out well over 40,000 times a week to customers all around the world in 43 different countries. Um, and so I'm proud of our business. We're waiting for the envelope to come soon to allow us the details on uh, you know, getting a spot for four years in a row consecutively on in the Inc. 5000 of privately held companies. So we're proud of our accomplishments. But at the end of the day, I'm proud of the people that are working here because they're working also on their dreams at the same time, because that's what I, I create and I ask for you when you're here. So I don't want you just to come help me on my dreams. I want to help you on your dreams.
1: That, that is beautiful. Now, could you describe in de- a little more detail exactly what your company does? You mentioned shipping packages, but sure. you um, paint a, a more vivid picture. Sure.
0: Yeah. In 2000, 2001, 2002, we created offers. Those are like offers that you would see online today where you see a supplement being advertised, marketing behind it, and you would enter your information. Maybe you got a free trial, maybe you paid full retail price and a package would show up on your doorstep a couple of days later. That's what we used to do in the beginning of our business. We were the advertiser, the fulfillment company. We did all of that. And then around 2000, three, 2004, we shifted and said, let's leave the, let's go and try to sell people. Instead, let's try to help people lined up more with our morals and kind of everything that we were after. And we knew the business well enough to know that there was a, there's a piece missing in the industry. And so for the past, you know, 14 plus years, every single day, we come to work knowing that we help marketers. We supply marketers with health and wellness products. We have about 50, uh, white label brands in our company that you can, Wrap a label on, we provide you all the templates and everything, wrap a label on it. You do the graphics, or we create the graphics for you. We take that, put it in a box, and ship it to your customer. And then at the end of the week, we send you an invoice. So we don't need money up front. And what that does for a marketer is it's created leverage for them. Because instead of trying to see if a product's gonna sell and they have to go buy tens of thousands of bottles, because that's what a lot of the labs require. You get to use our inventory with your label, sending it to your customers and you get a test on the go, seeing what works and doesn't work. And then we work with you once you found kind of like the threshold to scale. We help you then create a platform uh, to really supply, uh, support your growth. And so we help marketers to basically thrive without taking all their money out of their bank, keeping it where it needs to be in advertising, knowing we provide an excellent service. We do all the fulfillment, all the labeling, all the customer support that you need us to do, and we just really partner with you on your mission.
1: That is wonderful. I, I love it. It sounds It's a, a very fresh and inspiring approach. Are you familiar with, a, does this name ring a bell, John Crestani?
0: No, not at all.
1: Okay. I ask because he, um, he is a marketer who markets um, supplements through a, a network called Nutrist new trust. Mm -mm. What is the why that lights your fire every day?
0: Okay. I can speak all day on this. So um, I'm going to take it back just for a second. So through my transition and kind of growing into the person I am today, this quote very early on literally inspired me to dig deeper into it, which was Gandhi's quote, you know, be the change you wish to see in this world. Right. And so I really have spent a lot of time saying, what does that mean, right? I didn't get out of bed today to see my wife, see my kids, to have this call with you, to come into the office. I didn't do any of that today. That's something that I get to do today. What I got out of bed for today is because I have a heartbeat today to understand that my true sole purpose is to be contribution to the world, to make the world a better place. That's the change that I wish to see in this world. If I do that, I get to experience all the things we just talked about as things that light me up, seeing my kids smile, laugh, go through good times, go through bad times, to be there to support my wife through all the transitions we face, to come into work and to be able to deal with everything that we face as a business, to be able to drop everything that I'm doing on a moment's notice to fly last week to go be with my mom in the UK after she fell and she's in a hospital, how to be able to drop everything I'm doing and go lead an MC of, you know, thousands of people at a Alzheimer's or vet. all of that is because I woke up to the possibility for myself, which is I get the opportunity now that I'm awake, I'm hundred percent aware of my surroundings and what my soul's purpose is, is to offer contribution to the world. I didn't know that before. I didn't have a why I didn't have anything that was inspiring in my life other than I had things and those things come and go. But now that I know what I'm all about, my relationships are so much better. They're more on point. My wife and I have a coming up on 19 years of marriage after being separated for almost three of those years. Most stories end when they get separated. Ours worked through all of the, the crap that I put her through to build a relationship today. That's inspiring to others. That's what I'm told. People say, hey, look, I look at what you've been through and how you guys are still together. That's inspiring. But that's contribution. And that all goes back to why I got out of bed today. Right. I get a benefit of being with you. But the contribution for me is to be on 100 percent point with my myself and to be honest and open and being willing today to do things that are uncomfortable because in the uncomfortableness is where I found myself.
1: That is a wonderful answer, and I am so glad that I decided to ask you that question. Where do you see yourself in five years,
0: Tony? Mm, Great. I love it. Five years. uh, I will be living six months out of the year in in, uh, Italy. My wife and I are working every single day on acquiring a piece of property along the Amalfi Coast uh, in Positano near Sorrento and Salerno. Um, that's something in Priano. that's something that we're really passionate about. Um, I see my kids living their dreams and we want to be able to support them. Eventually they'll get married, hopefully sometime down the road, um, have kids if that's what they choose. And we just want to be able to support them. I can do my business from anywhere. I've created that for myself, which is give me a cell phone, give me the opportunity. I'll travel anywhere. And I love that. And just being flexible, living the world and going and spending time with my wife's family and seeing my family and not being tied down to a zip code, but being free to go and go anywhere and, uh, you know, keep doing podcasts, keep doing mine, uh you know, masterminds and groups and, and doing all that from anywhere. I don't have to be tied down to a zip code in Colorado.
1: Absolutely not. You are a person of the 21st century. What is your favorite book?
0: I have two. Is that all right? Yeah. So first and foremost, I, gotta, I always say you know, credit to the program that's really helped me to kind of change my mindset. So AA's book, um, it's always been helpful. Even if you don't have a problem with drinking, you may have a problem with thinking and you can just replace alcohol with whatever it is that you're dealing with in life. It's a really fascinating book. Number well, two.
1: Well, what's it called? What's the name of it?
0: The, it's, the, it's the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. Okay, and you can and you can get it anywhere. I mean, it's available at all major bookstores. Um, then also, uh, I love Charles Duhigg, um, the the you know the the power of habit. You know why we do what we do in business and life. Those are great little books that you can flip. You know, I have the Wayne Dyers, the Les Browns, the Zig Ziglar, the Jim Rohns. I have the Richard Branson, the Tony Robbins, the Gary Vee. But at the end of the day, I'm all about habits. I'm trying to always work on better habits and so by identifying them and keeping keen of like ooh, old behavior creeping in again habits are something that I coach on and I teach on so I'm always in the book and what I found too is so many people need something new to read what they need to do is reread what was so impactful and keep looking and diving deeper I've read the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous probably well over a hundred different times over you know eight plus years into the program most people don't read that many books in a lifetime no. So I get really good at like reading because every time you read, and this is a, this is a tool that I've done, you can pick up any of my uh, books, you'll see that I highlight in what I got out of that little paragraph, that little, that little sentence, and how I could take that one little thing today and apply it to my life. And that one little thought will go with me as I go about my day. How do you spell his name? Charles what? Charles Duhigg. I think it's D. I'm so bad. I really, I couldn't tell you. So. But it's um,
1: called the, pow- the Power of Habit? Yep. Okay, I'll find it. Absolutely. How about a favorite quote?
0: Favorite quote. Yeah. So we were we were talking a little bit earlier. It'd still be the change you wish to see in this world. It's if it's from that standpoint. Yes. It's it's that Gandhi quote. But my quote was really still what I I help people all the time. If you can change your behaviors, you can change your life.
1: Hey, you now you now you're plugging my show. <laughs> <laughs> Any final thoughts for our storytellers, Tony?
0: Yeah, keep telling your story. Keep sharing your light with the world. There's so much darkness, so much despair. And in the moment of all of that is hope. And if we keep doing what we know that we are created to do, we weren't created to be alone. We were created to share. We were created to help. And if we spend more of our time um, looking at the world as... Something that we don't need to compare it against. We don't need to compare ourselves with anybody. We need to have compassion. This world that we live in right now has a lot of darkness. And if you continuously shine your light bright and you do all the things that are wise and all the things that are so helpful for the people in your just immediate community, your friends, your family, you're the bright spot. You're the one that that is always optimistic and always appreciative and always grateful That's a ripple effect. That's the boulder that I ask everybody to drop today. It doesn't have to be very big, but drop like you have to be perfect and make progress and watch how everything around you begins to affect everything around you. And that's the ripple that I'm after today. So drop whatever it is that you're holding from thinking that you have to be a certain way to dropping it where you can make literally a ripple effect and you can bring change to the world around you. And just watch. And it takes time. And it's something that I push passionately with people all the time. You have so much inside of you. There is so much greatness. What's stopping you from achieving everything you've ever imagined and dreamed? And that's the one thing. It's the mind. Our mind needs to be quieted. We need to get to a place where we can breathe, where we can feel our heart, where we can just feel our pulse. When we do that, it tells me everything's going to be okay. I'm alive. And then I can begin to strategize and ask my network and my friends around me, you know what, what does the world really offer me? Well, what do you offer the world? And once you can figure out what you offer the world, I watch the world around you begin to change.
1: Tony, you have definitely enriched my day today. And I know that you've enriched the listeners of our storytellers day as well. Thank you so much for giving the way you have
0: well i I can't thank you enough louis it's um from the very first time we got connected till now um you're just masterful at what you do it's such an honor to be on your show and i I hope that i was able to resonate well with your audience today and you know i I woke up to be contribution and that's what i hope i was able to give today on your show
1: you over delivered my friend thank you so much Thank you again, storytellers, for spending time with us today. I'm going to guess that you're feeling as good and as enriched as I'm feeling right now from Tony's authenticity, his clarity, his compassion, and his passion. Pay this forward. Let people know that they can experience this. On iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, and at the website ChangeYourStoryPodcast.com. And remember, at the website, you all can take advantage of a book that I've created for you a downloadable free ebook called Storytelling Secrets for a Rich Life and Business. Tony also shared inspiring books that have changed and impacted his life. Remember that you can go to www.audibletrial.com forward slash story power and download an audio book of your choice absolutely free. One of the ones we mentioned today or choose from more than 120,000 titles. As well, get an access for one month to all of Audible's amazing service. I know you must have had some great takeaways from the things that Tony shared. Communicate those to me by sending your messages to Louis L-O-U-I-S, at changeyourstorypodcast.com. Now, during the next week, Tony spoke a lot about being completely transparent Removing the mask, admitting what you would see as weaknesses and fears, and the moment you do that, you step into a new sense of power and a sense of your own greatness. Take that step. Begin by asking, how can I change my story and change my life?